Hello everyone, welcome to the very next episode of the DNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be joining you this morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I'm recording on a Thursday morning, so a little little behind on my normal schedule, how I've been doing it on Sunday night or Monday night. But nonetheless, another great week of college football has is in the past, and we've already started a new week with, thank goodness, we are in the stretch of uh, 50, 50 days in, the, in a row of football, including the NFL and college football. It's fantastic. Uh, it's great for me when I'm at work. I can listen to a game. I'm always... It just makes my night go by really quick. It, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. So I'm listening, watching while I'm working. Uh, it's a great, <coughs> great, great stretch here. Thank, thank you, Conference USA, for uh, playing these games midweek. I know some people will say it's bad football, but all football is good football. Um, that was put to the test last night on a Wednesday, October 11th. We had two average games to say the least but nonetheless uh, great opportunity to catch some football I'll dive into that momentarily but uh, first I got some great questions from uh, loyal listeners that I want to go through um, starting off with uh, uh, from a lot of these are from uh, Twitter or X Cornell hockey fan at fan underscore Cornell do you see an L for Georgia on their upcoming schedule? Um, short answer, no. I mean, it's... I, I personally thought, if you listened to last week's episode, I personally thought Georgia would wake up against Kentucky. And they did. They absolutely did. They play at Vanderbilt this week. I think that's an absolute blowout. Then they get... They're bye week. Then at the end of the month, they go to Jacksonville and play Florida. I, I personally don't see Florida putting up too much of a fight. Um, they host Missouri. And Missouri is a, a team that can give them a, a, a scare, possibly. Then they host Ole Miss. They go to Tennessee, and they go to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's weird. They could... Give them maybe give them a game. We've seen Georgia Tech be a little plucky in certain circumstances, but I mean their last five games present some challenges. I mean your rival, your arch rival Florida, and then you host Missouri, host Ole Miss, two really productive offenses. Um, but I, I don't think they can stop Georgia. That's that that's the main issue there. Go to Tennessee. Um, I think Georgia is going to out-physical Tennessee, and that's Tennessee's problem, as we've seen. We saw Florida beat them up, and and th- that was a huge issue. So, I mean, looking at just looking at it at face value, I think Georgia wins out out of those remaining games. I think they woke up in the Kentucky game. I personally think the Auburn game woke them up, and then I knew they were hearing that oh Kentucky might be able to get them. Kentucky might be able to get them, and and I figured that would be the game that would set them off and wake them up, and, and it did. Um, I I stand by what I said in my previous episode. I personally believe Alabama is going to run the table, and include the SEC West. They'll run the table, the reigning SEC schedule, and then I believe they're going to beat Georgia in the SEC title game. I firmly believe that that's what's going to happen. 
Now, if that does happen, you're you could very well get two SEC teams in the college football playoff, which would be really, really interesting to see then what unfolds in the other conferences. Because I, I don't see a scenario where anyone in the Pac-12 is going undefeated. Uh, clearly, the Pac-12 winner needs to be in the playoff because it is the best conference in college football. But if my scenario unfolds, does the Big 12 winner get left out if they have one loss? Or the ACC winner if they have one loss? It, it's an interesting scenario to look at. We know we know the bias that is there. But like I said, I, I personally feel on their current schedule, I don't feel like there's anyone that Georgia loses to. But I personally feel they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. Uh, moving on to uh, another question. From my good friend Kevin Lawson, uh, will OU Texas meet again in the Big 12 championship game? And who would who would I favor? I I, I don't see a scenario where that doesn't happen. Honestly, I, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that those are the top two teams in the Big 12. I know West Virginia is undefeated right now. Um, they I have to imagine they'll come down to earth at some point, but I mean, you can't put it, you got to play the games. Um, Kansas is is a decent football team, but Texas already beat them. Texas Tech's two and one, but I don't see them taking care of business. I, I, I don't see a scenario where it's anybody other than Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, Kansas State Kansas State or Kansas, I feel, would be the only ones that could really challenge in this case, and, and I just don't see it happening. And and I think that you have to favor Oklahoma. I mean, they won the game, but they, they, it was such a fantastic football game, neck and neck the entire the entire game. I mean, it, it, I favor Oklahoma in the game just because they won the first one. But but I think it would come down again. Whoever has the ball last is going to win the football game. I think these those two teams are so evenly matched. I think we saw that in the last game. I still personally feel that Texas has more talent, um, but but Oklahoma is so improved defensively. And I mean, I understand Texas scored plenty of points, but they're Texas. They're gonna. They, I mean, that's a really good football team. It. it Let's just say both of these teams are really good, and both of these teams could play in the college football playoff. They honestly could. I mean, we've seen Texas win at Alabama already. Oklahoma got that marquee win. And you look at Oklahoma's schedule the rest of the way. They're off this week. Then they host UCF next week. They go to Kansas. They go to Oklahoma State, the last Bedlam game. They host West Virginia. They go to BYU, and they host TCU. They're clearly going to be favored in all of their remaining games. The two toughest games on the schedule, they go to Kansas. They go to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State looks a lot better than they did at the beginning of the year. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see moving forward what that game looks like on November 4th. Uh, but I, 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 like I said, I'm really intrigued by that one. I think those are clearly the two toughest games on their schedule. But I don't see a scenario where Oklahoma – I think Oklahoma is going to run the table. Now, granted, we have seen Oklahoma slip up in years past. But the, their defense this year looks different. It really, really does. So 
like I said, yeah, I think it's clearly that those two teams are the top two teams in the Big 12. And I would favor Oklahoma just because they won the game, the first game. But, again, I think it's one of those games where it comes down to whoever has the ball last. I really do. I think these teams are really evenly matched. Uh, next question from another one of my loyal listeners, uh, USAF underscore Noel from Twitter. Um, do you foresee a three-way tie at the end of the season in the ACC, and who would get left out of the ACC championship? It, it, it's definitely possible. It, it's it's crazy to think about. Um, I, I think it's clear that Florida State is the favorite, but they do have some tough games coming up. They host Syracuse this week. They should be able to take care of business there. They host Duke. Duke's minus Riley Leonard should be able to handle business there. They got to go to Wake Forest. They got to go to Pitt. They host Miami, North Alabama, and then they go to Florida. So I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be. We've seen them get challenged this year already with their game against LSU, their game against Clemson, their game against BC. But I I really think Florida State is made for it this year. And I think that they're going to run the table in the in the ACC. Looking at Louisville, they go this week. They go to Pitt, then they host Duke minus Riley Leonard again. Unfortunately, they get Virginia Tech, Virginia. They go to Miami and they host Kentucky. I really love this Louisville team. How physical they are! That game against Notre Dame was beautiful football on their part. I, I'm che- I'm cheering for Louisville because it's awesome to see a new team in this. In, in this play in this scenario but I, I really do think unfortunately I feel Louisville does slip up at some point whether it be to Miami Kentucky whoever it may be I I just feel like it's new territory for them and I feel like they're gonna slip up at some point I hate saying that because I don't want that to happen I'm cheering for them I really am then you look at North Carolina Yes, they're undefeated. Um, they they play Miami this week. Miami should be PO'd because of the what happened last week. But with that, I'll get to that point later on in the show. Then they host Virginia. They go to Georgia Tech. They host Campbell. They host Duke. They go to Clemson. They go to NC State. I don't see a scenario where North Carolina goes undefeated. I really, really don't. I really don't. I feel like they could lose this week to Miami. I, I feel like Miami could play... Uh, PO'd football and uh, take care of business there. I think they could slip up at Georgia Tech. Um, be interesting to see they play Duke in the middle of November if Riley Leonard's possibly back. I think that they lose at Clemson. I think they could lose at NC State. I, I personally feel North Carolina could lose three games or, or more looking at their remaining schedule. I know they just throttled Syracuse, but Syracuse isn't that good, guys. Um, I, so I personally don't think, yes, there's a scenario where it happens, and, it, and it's crazy to think about that these three teams, Louisville, Florida State, North Carolina, they don't play each other. It's crazy. But I really feel like Florida State's the only one that runs the table. I really do. I'm pulling for Louisville. I really, really am. And and I don't. I just don't think North Carolina does run the table. I really don't. Like I said, I think that they could lose this week. I really do. Um. I I hate saying it. I, I I would love to see him. I would love to see him uh, do something, just because it's cool to have those new teams making noise. But again, I just don't. I just don't see him doing it. 
like I said, I think they could lose this week. I really do. Um, next question uh, from uh, Turtle Power ninety eight on Twitter: Who is the favorite for Conference USA? Western Kentucky, Liberty, or Jacksonville State? Hypothetically, since Jacksonville State isn't eligible, well, we we we've seen this week already. Liberty handled Jacksonville State in Jacksonville, Alabama. Liberty looked apart this week. Um, even before that game was played, I would have said that the conference is between Liberty and Western Kentucky. The game is at Western Kentucky. I've seen Western Kentucky in person. I think I understand that they have a couple of losses on the road to Ohio State and Troy. Um, good football teams. I'm personally saying Western Kentucky is the favorite uh, because they have that game at home. And I, I don't feel like Liberty has has been tested at the level that Western Kentucky has been tested at. Um, I'm a fan of both teams. I really am. I, I enjoy the brand of football that both teams play. Jamie Chadwell is my favorite coach in college football. I absolutely love his offense. It, look, it looks like Keaton Salter is really starting to click in that offense. I think that performance that they had against Jacksonville State was was what they needed. And I think moving forward, uh, especially bouncing back from that Sam Houston State game where every team has a letdown, it's, it's going to happen. Sam Houston State has a good defense too. We've seen that in all their games this year. Like Their defense is a talented group. It's unfortunate the injuries that they've dealt with. Um, but I think Jacksonville State is that's a good football team. In my preview this year I said that they would go 6 and 6. Man, they're 5 and 2. They're definitely going to beat that. It's a good football team. But it, it clearly is going to come down to Western Kentucky and Liberty. And I think whoever wins that game, I mean clearly is going to win the conference. I don't think it's a debate on on uh, any if like who's going to take it at that point. Like looking at their upcoming schedules, next Tuesday, Middle Tennessee at Liberty, Western Kentucky at Jacksonville State. That game's going to tell us a lot cuz we saw Liberty handle Jacksonville State pretty pretty convincingly. And then uh, so we'll see what Western Kentucky can do. Then, of course, October 24th, they play each other. That's, that's going to be a heck of a ball game. I know we're all looking forward to that one. It's going to be a good one. I know we're all excited to see that one. I'm leaning towards Western Kentucky as the favorite, but I think the margin is really close. I really do. I really do. I think next week is going to be telling to see how Western Kentucky plays at Jacksonville State. Uh, next question from uh, another one of my loyal listeners: Canucks will never win uh, Washington or, or sorry Washington and Oregon game. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> this this could be the game of the season. Fan, two fantastic football teams. I, I, I think that the one of the things that I don't think is talked about enough is how well Washington's defense has played this entire season. I understand thus far <clears throat> Washington hasn't played the greatest competition. I, I understand that, but they've still done a very, very good job uh, defensively. They held Boise State to 19, Tulsa to 10, Michigan State to 7. 
they give up they did give up 32 to Cal, but Cal's put up points on everybody. And they held Arizona to 24. We saw what Arizona did last week to USC. That's a good offense. So I, I think this and, and and I will say in that Cal game, a lot of those points that Cal scored were were late when uh the game was out of hand in in Washington kind of just let the game go. But when the game was it was it was not a like it was not a debate at halftime is 45 to 12 in the third quarter is 52 to 12 like that this like Washington was taking care of business so I think this Washington defense deserves a lot more credit than what they're getting obviously this Oregon offense is unbelievable I mean we've we saw him put up 81 um, but I, I personally feel Washington is the better football team I think they're the more complete football team out of the two um, <clears throat> again Oregon's been tested more they went to Texas Tech they won a big game on the road they throttled Colorado um, I, I say that but I mean Washington's also played Boise State I mean I know Michigan State's not very good uh, they played Cal they, they, they played at Arizona I think Washington's coming off a performance on the road it's hard to play at Arizona um, so that the, both teams are obviously coming off a bye, so they're both going to be ready. They should be healed up. We should get a really, really good football game. The game's in Seattle. I know Washington won at Oregon last year, so Oregon will be fired up. But I think Washington takes the game because I think their defense makes enough stops. I really do. I think their defense deserves more credit. I trust Washington's defense a lot more than I trust Oregon's defense. To, I trust Washington's defense more to stop Oregon than I trust Oregon's defense to stop Washington. I think Washington's offense is absolutely elite, and Oregon's is as well, but Oregon's run up the score on some bad teams, or some average teams, I should say, where Washington's just throttling teams, doing what they're like. We, we know I trust Michael Penix more than I trust Bo Nix. Bo Nix has lost these type of games the majority of his career. Let's be honest. So I trust Michael Penix in this football game more than I do Bo Nix because of the history and what I've seen. Then the other question that he had is why is USC ranked so high? Because they're in the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 is a really good conference and they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Caleb Williams is really, really good. We saw that last week against Arizona. He basically willed them to that win. I mean, that uh, that two-point conversion play in the third overtime is probably one of the dumbest play calls I've ever seen, honestly. That was really, really stupid. I, I, thought, I, I thought that was such a dumb play. Like, I don't understand why you would ever put your quarterback in that situation just to get hit like that. But then it's it's Caleb Williams, and he's the best player in college football. So he makes a play, and then you score. And then Arizona runs an absolutely baffling play call on their two-point conversion that had no chance of working. I don't understand why they ran that. That was so stupid on their part. But I feel like Caleb Williams is the only player in college football that you would run that play for. <laughs> You would literally run that play for Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, and possibly Caleb Williams. And I'm not saying Caleb Williams is Cam Newton and Tim Tebow in in the realm of the college football world, but right now in the in how he's playing compared to everybody else, he is 
he's head head over heels better than everyone else right now. I, I think it's pretty clear. So when you run a play like they ran where they shift everyone over and you have Caleb Williams going one-on-one on a running play as a quarterback, there's, again, stupid, stupid play call. But because it's Caleb Williams, it works. He, he, he's that good. And, and, and that's, that's why USC is ranked that high. Plus, I, I, I think that there's, there's a narrative out there that the, the committee, if, if a Pac-12 team makes the playoff, who are they going to want more? USC, Washington, or Oregon? I think USC... Looking at it from their perspective, from the playoff committee's perspective, I think USC draws more from a money perspective than Oregon or Washington. But that's a topic for another day. That's a topic for another day. I think, I, but that, but again, that's why I feel that there's that that's the case there. Um, another question here from my good friends at the Three Tech Pod: Put into perspective how hard it is to win in college football for folks wanting to fire their coaches. As a quick fix, I'd love to hear your take as a former coach on the difficulty his staff faces to win at the highest level. <clears throat> now, I will preface this again by saying I did coach another sport. Um, the sport that I coach, basketball, is obviously very different than football. Um, and I coached before the transfer portal was uh, what it is now. So I, I think... Coach Prime, and then uh, um, uh, I'm blanking on Texas State's coach's name at the moment. Uh, sorry about that. But I think both those guys have proven that you can go get transfers and produce very quickly. Um, I, I still feel that those new coaches that temper, uh, that expectations should be tempered when it comes to that. Like what they're doing. I think a lot of people are going to see that and think like, oh, our team can do that too. Let's fire our coach and we can just bring in a bunch of transfers and it'll all click and it'll all work. It, 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 it's a, it takes a special coach for that to work. And, and they've got some really, really talented players in both of those scenarios where it's really click. they got good quarterbacks and they've surrounded them with really good athletes and they're able to handle business. I think that's the number one thing. you got two good coaches, but more importantly, you got two good quarterbacks and TJ Finley and then Shador Sanders in those cases. But answering the questions when it or the question when it comes to team or or fan bases and how difficult it is to win, it it, it really is. It, it it can't be overstated like how difficult it is to win at at any at any level really. But in, in college athletics Especially at the highest level, you're going up against the best of the best at the, at that level, week in week out. So I'll use an example here. I know I've talked about this before, but like the first year that I took over a college program at at uh, at the JUCO ranks, we won 14 more games, no 16, 16 more games than the previous season. So you have this huge win improvement. Then going into year two, you're expected to exceed those expectations again. 
and I've talked about this when it comes to UConn football in the in the, in the season that they're having right now. It, it it it's almost impossible. I shouldn't say I shouldn't say impossible. It's very very difficult when you win. the The team I took over won two games. the The year after we had eighteen, my first year. So to go to go from eighteen wins to twenty wins, that's really really hard. So. Fans have to temper their expectations in that scenario. You also have to understand kind of where you're at as a program. Okay, the conference I was in was a winnable conference where I could where I could get talented players to win the conference that I was in. Now you have to be you have to be smart about it as a fan base. Now Colorado, you're in the Pac-12. Those fans couldn't have expected Colorado to just come in and win the Big 12. Texas State, even their fans in Sunbelt, it's very difficult to win in that league. So you have to temper your expectations and, 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 and be realistic kind of where you're at. So I, I'll kind of look at it as, say, there, the, some of the fan bases out there that are grumbling about uh, letting their head coaches go or whatnot. The, the way I look at it is, it is so, so hard to win at this level. It is. And week in, week out, the amount of work and the preparation that it takes to to succeed and advance and do the things that you need to do to win, it's very, very hard. Now, you can look at something schematically and say, wow, that coach, I don't feel like they're using their players to the best that they could be. They're running the wrong system. I think that that could be said about UTEP and Coach Dana Dimmel not running the system correctly to, for the players that they have. Now we saw yesterday or last night they go to FIU. They put up 21 points in the first quarter. We haven't seen that offense all year. I think they got lucky they connected on some deep balls, and then the rest of the game they were just kind of able to coast, and their defense was good enough to handle it because FIU played terrible. So I think it's a, I think that's a bad – Asset, I, I don't think it's a it's a good way to assess it because if you look at the rest of the season, like the way that they've used that offense, it just hasn't been good. But you look at, like, so, say San Diego State, for an example, like Brady Hoke, things might have seemed to flatline some, or even they're going downward, which for that program, with all the money that they've put in with a new stadium, they're trying to move up, whatever it may be. I think you look at that and, and the success that they've had. Like this is a team that should be competing for a New Year's Six Bowl year in, year out based off of what what their fans have come to expect and what they've put out on the football field. And this year they're just not. And actually last year as well, they didn't either. Their quarterback play has, has digressed or has gone downward tremendously. So I think you look at those situations and you say, okay, there's a downward trend it's very, very difficult. I think ex the number one thing when it comes to, like you look at, say, Ryan Day. He's measured on beating Michigan, which he hasn't done in a couple years, and 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 that's and that's like it. You win the Big Ten, you beat Michigan, you win the Big Ten, you go to the playoff. That's what happens at Ohio State. Therefore, when they don't do that or when they're not doing that, that's the expectations, and that's what comes with the job. So it, it, it's 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 tough because every situation is different, and you just got to kind of fans have to be realistic. That's the number one thing, and 
And in this world of what have you done for me lately, that culture that we have in sports now, it, it, it's tough. It really is tough for these coaches and for these programs because you're going to see some of these coaches come in and make these quick fixes. And, and everybody's just going to be like, oh, look, they did it, so we can do it too. It, it's not that easy. I think Colorado and Texas State having the success that they've had using the transfer portal is going to be one of the worst things that can happen for college coaches moving forward because all these fan bases and, quite frankly, ADs are going to think, oh, we could do the same thing too. So it's an interesting thing moving forward to see how that's going to work out because I think that's going to be really, really bad for not only college football but for coaches and for and fan bases need to be realistic when it comes to that next question from nathan hale on twitter if texas wins out and ou loses then will texas vault ahead of ou and make the playoff well i think i think it boils down to like i said before when it came to this converse the conversation i had a little bit ago I think it's clear that Oklahoma and Texas are the clear favorites to play again in the Big 12 title game. And I, I think it's if, if Oklahoma loses, does lose another game, um, and Texas wins out, it's possible that they could go ahead of them. But it's going to come down to that head-to-head matchup in the Big 12 title game. And, and again, if Texas beats them in that, yes, they'll, they'll, they'll jump them. Um, Interesting question here uh, from uh, Koa Ananu. Uh, Dabo Sweeney to Notre Dame as a head coach. I I don't think that there's any scenario where that happens. I think Notre Dame is is all in on Marcus Freeman. I think I think Marcus Freeman's a good football coach. I, he's very very young and he has a very difficult job. I think he was put in a very, very difficult situation. I don't think Notre Dame should ever hire a coach who's never been a head coach before. I understand that like the players love him and all this and that, and he's a great recruiter and everything. But there's certain jobs that are just different, and Notre Dame's one of those jobs where the expectations are just through the roof. So a guy who's never been a head coach, that's a really, really difficult spot to put him in. And like I said, I think they're all in on him. And I don't, I personally don't feel that Clemson's going to let Dabo go anytime soon. Um, I, I think some drastic things would really have to happen for them to, to do that. I just don't see it myself. I think Clemson's starting to play better. Things are starting to click. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to win eight, nine games, may, maybe even 10. I mean, we'll see how they finish this, how they finish uh, the season. And moving forward, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, the thing with Dabo is he just needs to he needs to go get along with the times and realize that NIL and transfer portal are a big deal or he's going to get left behind. I think we're seeing that. And if he doesn't adjust, that's, that's the name of college athletics. You have to adjust or you die. If you don't adjust, you're going to get left behind. And that's point blank what it is with Clemson right now. He has to adjust. If he doesn't adjust, they're going to get left behind. And that's point blank what it is. But no, I don't think that I don't think he's going to be the next head coach at Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame's letting go of Marcus Freeman. I think things would really have to fall apart for that to happen. 
Next question from my from my good friend Scott Olson. He wants to hear about how Dion is changing the game of college football and how his program will be the new standard for college football programs. I mean, obviously, we, we've the national media has made it very clear that uh, Dion's a media darling and all this and that. I mean, it, it what he's done, he's changed the game. He obviously has. They put everything out there on social media. And, and I think we understand that kids like that. But at the end of the day, you got to win football games. And if you're not going to win football games, then what's it matter? This year, I think we all thought, like, man, they're going to be behind the eight ball. They've already exceeded expectations. They've got four wins. I think it's I, – I, I think they'll get to six and make a bowl game. And I think that's a fantastic first season. And I know for Coach Prime and Shador and some of those – like Travis Hunter and some of those guys – that's not good enough for them. But from a perspective where they were, they won one game last year. They were absolutely terrible last year in leading up to it. I mean, they were really, really bad. So kudos to them for where they're at right now. The The, the jump that they've made is absolutely significant. I, I think the thing where he's really changing the game, of course, from the social media standpoint and everything, I think that's going to become a new thing, and, coach, and a lot of coaches are going to have to. That's a real thing. But I think the thing that he's really done to change everything is the whole transfer portal aspect that I've talked about. GJ Kinney from Texas State. That's who it is. <laughs> Finally came to my mind. But thinking about uh, the amount of transfers that he brought in in his first year to really change the culture. And I mean, he needed to. Because that program was really, really, really bad. Like, they were really bad. They didn't have much talent at all. So, I mean, he needed to clean house. But the way that he did it and the amount of new faces that he brought in is crazy. So, I, I, I think that that's, that's where he's changing the game the most. Is these new head coaches can get hired and bring in 50 new players. And change your culture pretty quickly. I mean, Dion and GJ Kinney at Texas State have really shown that you can do that. And like I said in a previous comment, I personally don't think that that's good for the game because I think it's going to lead to fans having way too high of expectations for new head coaches in year one, which then is going to lead to their downfall quickly. Because I don't think that this is a this is a sustainable system the way that the way that Colorado handled it. I, I don't think it's sustainable to go get 90 new players to fill your roster that way. I, I don't think that there's many programs that could that could do that and be successful. Like I said, I think Colorado has been able to do it because they have an elite quarterback and some other elite talented players at skill positions. But we've seen like in the trenches on their offensive and defensive lines, they're bad. And Colorado's defense as a whole is not good. It takes time to to build those things. So, I, I, again, that's where he's changed the game the most. I mean, obviously, the social media perspective, it, it, it's a game changer. And, of course, Coach Prime will be named for every major head coaching job that opens from now until eternity, probably. <clears throat> but just, just looking at it and... and I think the number one thing where he's changed the game is from that transfer portal perspective. I, I, I think I think that's the number one thing. I mean, yes, he's 
likable and, and energetic and all these things and the social media perspective and everything it's changed the game and i mean i i and in that everybody's gonna have to adjust to that <clears throat> again it's like what i said with Dabo sweeney you adjust or die and it's going to be the same thing here coaches have to are going to have to adjust to what he's doing because if you don't you're going to get left behind uh another question here from uh jaron another one of my good followers or the best rivalries that aren't mainstream we all know about ohio state michigan alabama auburn oklahoma etc i'm a big g5 guy he he said that here um what are the best rivalries kind of at that level and why i mean we saw one of them this week uh coastal won at app state for the first time ever they won in Boone, north carolina for the first time huge huge opportunity there the Sun Belt is, is full of some great rivalries. It is uh, App State Georgia Southern is one of the one of the better rivalries out there that a lot of people don't know about. There's so much hatred there. Uh, Marshall has some great rivalries there when it comes to App State that Georgia Southern in the past. Like there's some really good some really good rivalries there. The West doesn't have necessarily the type of rivalries that 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 you would that you would normally see um jmu old dominion is one to look at moving forward just the proximity of the two i think the mountain west <clears throat> those necessarily don't have um the pole that we've seen before in the mac you got a couple i mean um Ball State and NIU, they play for that Cornstalk Trophy. Any of the the Michigan, the Eastern, Central, and Western Michigan, those are good. Bowling Green, Toledo, I mean, the schools are literally like 35 miles apart, I believe, or something like that. That's a really good rivalry. It'll be interesting to see moving forward what Conference USA can put together from some rivalry perspectives. I mean, New Mexico State and UTEP are literally down the street from each other. Um then, but again, like I said, I, I, those main, like the Sun Belt rivalries, there are some great rivalries in the Sun Belt. And I'm, the AAC could have some interesting ones moving forward, maybe USF, FAU, but there's a lot of new faces there. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do moving forward there. But again, the Sun Belt, the rivalries, the, the Sun Belt did conference realignment right the proximity of all these schools like the Sunbelt East you could literally go down the line and talk about great rivalries there like JMU is going to have Old Dominion JMU moving forward could have some great rivalries with Coastal with App State like there could there could be some really good things moving forward in the Sunbelt East Georgia Southern I've already talked about Georgia Southern App State that rivalry go go look that up there is legitimate hatred in that rivalry one of the best in college football if you don't know about it go do some research on that one that's a great great rivalry and like i said the some of those in the Sun Belt are special and coastal and app has become one just because of the differences between the two schools the beach and the mountains the fan bases don't like each other <coughs> apps history compared to coastal's recent history um, just just really, really good for the sport. Uh, next question here from uh, uh, 
Aaron Reese over at uh, on the stunt is is this the beginning of the end for Bama? How long will Saban stay if it looks like the ship is slowly sinking? <laughs> well, I've already said that I think Bama is going to run the table and go to the college football playoff. So I don't think the ship is sinking. I thought at the beginning of the year that it looked like that because they looked like they were in distress. But I think Alabama is starting to put things together. They have a Elite defense, in my opinion. Jalen Milrow is starting to play good, is is playing good football. And I really think, I really, really believe that this Alabama team is going to turn the corner and Saban is going to get things right. He's he's the best coach of all time. I, I thought at the beginning of the year with the distress that they were showing that this could be the end for Saban. And it, and it might be. It might be. But I think he's still got time, and I don't think it's a sinking ship. I really don't. I think <clears throat> they won at A&M. They, did, they took care of business there. And I think moving forward, they're going to be fine. They are going to be fine this season. Like I said, I, I think that they're – I really do. I really do think that they're going to run the table. I think that they're going to take care of business and, and do what they need to do. I, I really, really believe that. Looking at their remaining schedule, they got Arkansas this week. Then they got Tennessee. And then they get a bye, they host LSU, they go to Kentucky, then they host Chattanooga, and they go to Auburn. That's a tough, tough schedule. Tough schedule. Three weeks in a row with a bye week in there where they're playing ranked teams. Two of them at home, one on the road. But I think I, I really firmly believe that they're going to get it done. I do. Uh, I, I don't think that the demise is as radical as some people think it is. Um. Then I guess the the final uh, the final question here it goes it goes more back to uh, from my good friend Michael at Sidelines Yukon the perspective multiple steps forward can happen followed by steps backwards he's kind of referring to Yukon football here um. And I think that this is more that that question is more so referring to. I'm going to be starting a blog um, where I'm going to be writing. I love writing. Uh, I think you guys see see how much I enjoy that with uh, my my preseason previews for every program that I do. So I'm actually going to save that question for a, for a, for a piece that I'm going to write on uh, because I've talked about how how difficult it is to win. Uh, that first year you get a lot of wins, but to make that jump to the next step is very difficult. And I think I'm going to save that for, for a piece that I'm going to write on. So, so now I'm going to jump into those are great questions. Keep them coming, guys. Love answering you guys' questions every week. Going back to week six, um, the, uh, just going to go down the slate. Jacksonville State won at Middle Tennessee. Um, great comeback by them. Um, they were down 23-7, to came back and won. Uh, good football team we already saw this week. They lost a home to Liberty. Um, New Mexico State defeated FIU. New Mexico State's on a roll. They just beat Sam Houston State last night as well. Uh, Liberty beat Sam Houston. And then Western Kentucky won at Louisiana Tech. Western Kentucky was up 35-7 to at halftime in this game. Louisiana Tech scores three touchdowns in the second half. Made it a game. Um to make to to make that a good comeback, Oklahoma State defeats Kansas State. I know that surprised some people. Nebraska beat Illinois. At Illinois. Illinois is in trouble. 
My UConn Huskies got their first win of the season. Great job, guys. Super proud of you guys. They won at Rice. Let's see if they can keep it moving. Keep that momentum going. 1-0 each week. They're off this week. Their next game is against USF. Really proud of my guys. Last year, down the stretch, we saw how UConn football clicked at the end of the year. I think it could happen again this year. A much tougher schedule down the stretch, though, this year than last year. So we'll see how it goes. Michigan won big at Minnesota. What a performance by those guys. It's a really, really good football team. Might be the best team in college football. We'll see. Oklahoma beat Texas. One of the best games we've seen. Oklahoma wins at the last, in the last seconds. Like I said before, that game just came down to who had the ball last. What a great football game that was. Ohio State beats Maryland. Maryland was winning at the beginning of the game, and it was a question. Going into halftime, it was Maryland was up 10-0. It was tied 10-10. They were up 17-10 early in the third quarter. Then Ohio State became went full Ohio State mode and scored 27 unanswered and won the game. So kudos to Ohio State taking care of business there. Maryland's a good football team. LSU wins at Missouri. Really, really good football team. Kudos to LSU for winning the football game, but I want to give credit where credit's due <clears throat> to Missouri. Missouri's good, guys. Luther Burden the third is an absolute stud. Um, again, um, Dan <laughs> Jaden Daniels should absolutely be in the Heisman conversation. He's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, two interceptions. LSU's losses are not on him. He is absolutely fantastic again. But I want to give kudos to Missouri. Missouri's a lot better than we all thought they were. Boston College wins at Auburn. or wins. At, sorry, wins at Army. I was really pulling for Army to win that game. I know my friend Omar was uh, that one hurt. Uh, Mississippi State beats Western Michigan. Game was way closer than it should have been, though. The Broncos are much better than anybody thought. I know Phil Steele said that was the worst team in college football coming into the season. I knew he was wrong about that. But uh, kudos to Western for keeping that game close with their starting running back out. So uh, Wisconsin beats Rutgers. Game was closer than I think a lot of people thought it would be. Rutgers was up 17 or Wisconsin was up 17-0 at halftime. But Rutgers came back, made the game close. Kudos to Rutgers for that. Um, Rutgers is much improved, but kudos to Wisconsin for winning the game. Virginia defeats FCS foe William & Mary. We, it ends their eight-game losing streak. We know Virginia is not going to go winless this year. Toledo wins at UMass big. That game was never really in doubt. NC State beats Marshall 48-41. to <clears throat> NC Marshall was up in this game going into the fourth quarter, and then NC State put up some points late in that game scoring 13 unanswered in the fourth quarter to kind of take control of the game but marshall's really good marshall might be the best g5 team we'll see moving forward but good performance by them against a, a good nc state team <clears throat> utsa wins at temple in a shootout buffalo beats central michigan i know that one was a bit of a surprise especially with how buffalo has faltered early on this season uh, and Central Michigan been playing well. UCLA beats Washington State. Uh, the Cam Ward train almost derailed in this game. Only threw for 197 yards, had two interceptions. Kudos to Carson Steele. Huge game, 141 yards on the ground. Um, just a really good win for UCLA there, defeating, a, a, defeating Washington State. Northwestern squeaks by Howard. Howard scored 13, scored two touchdowns. In the fourth quarter to make this a really to make this a game, um, 
and Northwestern squeaks out a win there. Florida State beats the brakes off Virginia Tech. Alabama wins at A&M. I told you I thought this would be this would be the turning point for Alabama in their season, and I really think I really really feel that it's going to be. Um, a and the A and M's pretty good. You got to give them credit that their team's better than I thought they were. And I think Alabama showed a lot of poise in the second half to, to take that game. And I think, like I said, moving forward, I really think that they're going to use this and propel themselves into a great season. North Carolina steamrolls Syracuse. Big win for them. Iowa beats Purdue. Again, ugly. Iowa somehow 5-1. and one. Um, it, 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 the, the, Let's just face it. They're 5-1, and one, but they're not good. Like, the, goodness gracious, they're not good. Like, when does Iowa actually play some? Like, we saw how bad they were against Penn State. Like, I think everybody realizes Iowa's not good. They're, they play at Wisconsin this week. Hopefully, Wisconsin can beat the brakes off of them, and then we can kind of put this to bed. But it's like the Big Ten West is so bad, though, that the fact that Iowa has a good defense and really good special teams, that they can just win games because they're off, they're, even with their offense being incompetent, it, 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 it's mind-blowing. Like, they're going to win eight games without an offense. Clemson beats Wake Forest. It was not pretty, though. Um, Navy beats North Texas. Louisiana beats Texas State in a really, really good Sunbelt West game. Um It'll be interesting to see moving forward who takes control of the Sun Belt West. Eastern Michigan defeats Ball State. Miami, Ohio defeats Bowling Green. Bowling Green had just beat Georgia Tech, and then they lose 27 to nothing against Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio is really good, though. Ohio beats Kent State, beats the brakes off of them. And then NIU beats the brakes off of Akron. And, and I say that because I, I'm going to be at the Northern Illinois, Ohio at Northern Illinois game this weekend in DeKalb. Ontario Brown last week for NIU runs for 280 yards and four touchdowns on 13 carries. Absolutely amazing performance by him. Akron's not very good. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing NIU against Ohio. Florida defeats Vanderbilt. Wasn't in doubt. Kansas throttles UCF after Gus Malzahn gets a huge, gets a really good extension. Uh, UCF might be uh, playing up in their weight class and they're not ready. UCF, I'm sorry, playing up in their weight class and not ready for it. UAB beats the brakes off South Florida, kind of surprised by how that game went. Uh, Troy throttles Arkansas State. Arkansas State had won three games in a row, but Troy's like, hey, we're the kings of the Sun Belt West. FAU beats Tulsa. Colorado wins at Arizona State. Wasn't pretty. Colorado had to win this football game for their bowl expectations. It ended their eight-game Pac-12 losing streak, though, so kudos to Colorado. I talked about this game a little bit already. Georgia throttles Kentucky. I think we woke up the bear. I think I think we poked it enough, and Georgia is, is ready now. South Alabama could have named the score against ULM. They put 55 up on them. <clears throat> Old Dominion wins at Southern Miss. Great performance by ODU. They're... Probably this one of the they're definitely one of the surprises in the Sun Belt from a positive perspective, man. They and, and Southern Myth is the surprise in the negative perspective. Holy smokes! Ole Miss beats Arkansas. Game was probably closer than a lot of people would have thought. Uh, Louisville, we already I already talked about this against Notre Dame. What a performance! Out physicaling them. Notre Dame's out of the playoff now. How far can Louisville go? That's the question. 
I'm going to save Georgia Tech for Miami for my last comments. Wyoming beats Fresno State. I'm so glad the game was on national television. Two really, really good G5 football teams. Texas State wins at Baylor. Iowa State beats TCU. Utah State beats Colorado State. Boise State beats San Jose State. Then the two late games out west. Oregon State wins at Cal 52-40. to Oregon State's defense, ugh, that didn't look good. But Cal can put up points. We've seen that this year. Then USC squeaks by Arizona in triple overtime. Arizona was up 17 to nothing. Arizona should have won this football game straight up. Like it. USC's defense is terrible. Alex Grinch, how does he have a job? But to, but to conclude the week six talk, I have to conclude with Georgia Tech winning at Miami with Mario Cristobal and his offensive coordinator just completely just dropping the ball entirely. Okay, we can, we can talk about was it a fumble, wasn't it a fumble. It probably wasn't a fumble. But don't let the game come down to the official's decision. Just take a knee and the game's over. This is the second time Mario Cristobal has done this. He did it while he was at Oregon, and they lost to Stanford because he did the same baffling thing. If he's done this twice, should he be a head football coach? The, the, the absolutely moronic behavior by Mario Cristobal to allow this to happen in the offensive the, the crazy thing is you have the offensive line coach yelling at the offensive coordinator and the head coach and again Mario Cristobal put all the blame on the offensive coordinator which I think is absolutely ridiculous you are the head coach you take responsibility you are the captain of the ship that that infuriates me right there as a former head coach. You take responsibility for anything bad that happens. Anything bad that happens falls on the head coach. Anything good that happens is the players. Take some responsibility and man up Mario Cristobal when it comes to that. That's terrible, first of all. That that that's terrible. The fact that it's happened twice though, I would argue is a fireable offense. Now granted the first time happened at a different school. It's absolutely ridiculous, though. Now, granted, okay, you still got you, they still should have stopped Georgia Tech. They still shouldn't have allowed them to score a touchdown. There's two things that are going to happen in this scenario. The Miami players could have could have lost all trust in Cristobal, and they just could say screw it, and their season could derail quickly, very quickly. They could look terrible the rest of the season. That is one scenario that could really happen. The other scenario is they could play PO'd football and, I, and North Carolina could be in trouble this week because Miami's going to want to come out and just punch somebody, literally. And I could see that happening. And I hope that that's what happens because you don't want to see any team just give up. But when your head coach and your and the offensive coordinator too when they make the decisions that they made in this football game not to take the knee and i mean you saw some of those videos of the players some of the things that they were saying just like what are we doing like that that that's hard as a player when you when you then question your coach in that scenario and if if they can handle it but again, I already voiced my concerns here. My concern is on Mario Cristobal not manning up and accepting responsibility as a head coach. It's your fault. You are the head coach. You are the leader. Accept responsibility. 
and change it. The fact that it's happened twice under your leadership speaks volumes to me. That's that's all I need to know about that. And personally, all, all I need to know about him, he has he has shown it in this scenario. He will never win a championship because he won't res- accept responsibility in these in these scenarios and because of the stupid coaching decision he made first of all. But man, that that irks me though to see a head coach not accept responsibility in that situation. Looking at week 7 now, we've already seen Tuesday and Wednesday games. I already talked about Coastal winning at App State for the first time ever. Middle Tennessee beats Louisiana Tech. A bit of a surprise there, in my opinion, because Louisiana Tech was playing so bad. Or Middle Tennessee was playing bad. Louisiana Tech was coming off a win. Liberty throttles Jacksonville State in Jacksonville, Alabama. Good win for them. UTEP wins at FAU. Bit of a surprise there. New Mexico State handles Sam Houston State. Tonight, Thursday, October 12th, we got West Virginia at Houston. West Virginia's 4-1. How good are they? This is an interesting game. SMU at East Carolina. Man, East Carolina has really fallen off. Uh, Really surprised by how much they've fallen off. SMU is a good football team. Uh, Friday night, we got really, really good action here. Tulane against Memphis. Could be for the AAC title. Honestly, these two could meet up again in the AAC championship game. Really, really intrigued by this. Really, really good quarterback play in this game. Michael Pratt and Seth Hennigan. Like I said, two really, really good quarterbacks here. I'm really excited to see that game. Fresno State at Utah State. Um, I, I I saw Utah State in action against my UConn Huskies. Was not really impressed, honestly. Fresno State's coming off a loss. I think they're going to be ready to go. And then Stanford at Colorado. I think Colorado is going to really put up some points in this game against a bad Stanford defense. Then you look at the Saturday slate, Indiana at Michigan. That game could get really ugly. Georgia at Vanderbilt. Again, that game could get really ugly. Ohio State at Purdue. I know Ohio State has struggled with Purdue in the past, but this Purdue team is not very good. Um, Syracuse at Florida State. Arkansas at Alabama. Michigan State at Rutgers. Rutgers favored in this game, as they should be. Rutgers could be 5-2 and two after this game. What a season they are having. Iowa State at Cincinnati. This game is a must-win for either of those teams if they want to compete for bowl eligibility. Temple at North Texas. Georgia Southern at James Madison. Really, really good football game in the Sun Belt. Glad that they're putting that on ESPN, too. JMU is good, guys. And Georgia Southern is, too. Uh, If they didn't throw five picks against Wisconsin, they might win that game. Kent State at Eastern Michigan. Navy at Charlotte. Toledo at Ball State. Cal at Utah. UMass at Penn State, that might be a massacre. Uh, That game's going to be ugly. Of course, the game of the week, Oregon against Washington. Unbelievable football game there. I I think it could be special. I think Washington's going to win. I talked about that already. Texas A&M at Tennessee, interesting football game there. Texas A&M's good. I was impressed by how they played against Alabama. Kansas at Oklahoma State. Interesting game there. It looks like Bean's getting the start again. Oklahoma State's playing a lot better. Troy at Army. Illinois at Maryland. I think Maryland could win that convincingly. Florida at South Carolina. Wake Forest at Virginia Tech. BYU at TCU. FAU at South Florida. Akron at Central Michigan. Bowling Green at Buffalo. Miami, Ohio at Western Michigan. Iowa at Wisconsin. 
I, I, I'm going to speak for college football fans here. I hope that Wisconsin handles them convincingly just so we can stop with Iowa. <laughs> Ohio at Northern Illinois, I will be there looking forward to seeing Curtis Rourke against Rocky Lombardi, some good quarterbacks there. I've seen some really good uh, G5 quarterbacks this year. Going to see two more there. UNLV at Nevada. Big rivalry there. UNLV's good. 4-1. and one. Nevada is winless. San Jose State at New Mexico. Maybe San Jose State can get back on track here. I really think they can. Louisville at Pitt. Arizona at Washington State. Auburn at LSU. Kansas State at Texas Tech. Marshall at Georgia State. I'm really perplexed why Georgia State's favored in this game because I think Marshall's Arguably the best team in the G5. Um, another really good opportunity for the Sun Belt being on ESPN, too. I'm so glad that they get that slot there. ULM at Texas State. One of the games of the year in the G5, Wyoming at Air Force. CBS Sports Network. Air Force has them favored by 10.5 points over Wyoming. I'm really perplexed by that spread um, as Wyoming has some really good wins. USC at Notre Dame, obviously this game has lost a little bit of luster because Notre Dame's lost two games now, but Notre Dame's favored. Interesting to watch there. Miami at North Carolina, I, I think that this could be an upset alert. I think Miami plays PO'd football um, after last week. Missouri at Kentucky, two good football teams here. The fact that this game's on SEC Network is a little unfortunate because these two teams are good. UCLA at Oregon State, that's a good football game. Uh, could see some points scored in that game. NC State at Duke, UAB at UTSA, Boise State at Colorado State, and then San Diego State at Hawaii. So our late night slate isn't what we've had the past couple weeks. But again, some good football this week. Hopefully you guys get to enjoy it. Um, Really, obviously, the game of the week is Oregon at Washington. Everybody knows that. Can't wait for that. Again, I will be at Northern Illinois and DeKalb to see them taking on the Ohio Bobcats. If you're traveling somewhere like I am, safe travels. Please enjoy uh, your time at the at whatever game you're going to. It's a blessing to be able to, to travel and go to these games. Um, and again, thank you guys for listening. Please like, subscribe, if you ever listen to the podcast. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, give it a five-star review. really helps promote the show. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Feel free to follow me on X at Coach underscore B-Will personally or the podcast account at TNT College Football 1. Everybody have a good day. God bless.